0: Now, George, what about advertising? I'm always amazed it's effective in this uh, culture. Why do you think it well works I, on people? I think people are stupid.
1: I think it's, <laughs> good. it's pretty fundamental. People are, are, are stupid and, and easily manipulated, you know. And the American people are really pretty stupid. The planet isn't going anywhere. We are. We're going away. Pack your shit, folks. Away. White collar, blue collar, doesn't matter what color shirt you have on. Good, honest, hard-working people continue. These are people of modest means. Continue to elect these rich cocksuckers who don't give a fuck about them. about you? At all. At all. At all. When it comes to changing the language, I think it makes you know, some good points. I think mankind ought to be humankind, but they take it too far. They take themselves too seriously. They exaggerate. They want me to call that thing in the street a person yeah, hole cover. I think that's taking it that a little bit too far. You can add anything you want. The 4th of July shit just rolls right in. Land of the free. The brave the press is uh, fair and impartial, justice is blind, all men are created equal. Your vote is important. The United States government is on your side. The army These is people here to who keep read self help books. Yeah. Why do so many people need help? Life is not that complicated. You get up, you go to work, eat three meals, you take one good shit, you go back to bed. What's the fucking mystery? And the part I really don't understand: if you're looking for self-help, why would you read a book written by somebody else? Why need narcissistic, self-indulgent people with a simple philosophy? Give me it; it's mine. These people were given everything. Everything was handed to them, and freedom of choice. This is the big one: the illusion of choice. We're led to feel free by the exercise of meaningless choices. Uh, For instance, important things: not too many choices. Unimportant things: ice cream flavors. What do you want? We got. 31. When no, fashion comes you know, to America, it will not be in brown and black shirts, it will not be oh. with Jack boots. it will be Nike sneakers and smiley shirts. There is no national conspiracy to buy elections and control America. But you don't need a formal conspiracy right. when
0: interests converge. This man was hip when LBJ was taking shits in front of journalists. <laughs> Well, uh, if there is a Mount Rushmore, his is certainly the first face in comedy. Please welcome George Carlin, ladies and gentlemen. In 2008, the world bid farewell to the irreverent and incisive George Carlin, the long haired sage whose piercing observations and delightfully profane language confronted American hypocrisy. Yet, his lingering presence continues to permeate our collective conversations, defying the confines of time. What's even more surprising is how Carlin has managed to transcend the divisive realm of politics, finding embrace among individuals who vehemently disagree on virtually everything else. It seems they all share one conviction. George Carlin would undoubtedly align with their own worldview, when in fact, we're all really just aligning with his. The endurance of Carlin's work goes beyond a mere testament to his talent. His frustrations expressed with humor and authenticity strike a deep and lasting chord with audiences. They lay bare the persistent injustices he astutely identified in American society and society as a whole. They serve as a stark reminder that these issues still plague us today. To help me explore the enigmatic legacy of George Carlin, I'm joined by two of my lifelong friends, Sean and Ryan McGann. Together, we delve into the lasting impact of George Carlin's searing observations, examining the unyielding relevance of his social critiques. We also ponder the weighty question of who, if anyone, can step up and take his mantle. Brace yourself, folks, because this journey is going to be split into two parts, each delving a little further into the legacy of George Carlin and those he inspired around him. This one does get a bit silly at times, and we'll be discussing some of Carlin's more risque pieces as well. But I also queued up Carlin highlights in between so that you know more what we're talking about when we talk about certain acts. But find out for yourself in an episode I'm calling The Carlin Effect, How George Carlin Continues to Shape the Conversation. This is part one.
1: Yeah, what you're after, Come on, strange but not a stranger. I'm an ordinary guy burning down the
0: house. I wrote
2: you guys a very special
0: Hold introductions, by the
2: way. So, uh, are we gonna read? Oh, I don't know if you're just gonna pop that in later.
0: Uh, well. I'm going
2: to do it now. Oh, Okay. I I'll wasn't. I
0: was going to do it later, but I kind of.
2: Jay, you got to post the thing on Twitter so I can share it. And, like tag me in it. I put you right, in I'll group. You. you can send it.
0: Oh, that's true. I'm bad. I'm so bad on Twitter though. Like uh, Instagram and Facebook, I can use. I know. Like Twitter, I don't know. I just get like very.
2: I don't
3: know.
0: I need a blue. Check. At some point, I'm like, how much do I want to push this shit?
2: <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> What do I want, people? Really? Not
0: like, do I really need you all? I don't think
2: so.
0: <laughs> Doing this for me. I'm, I'm this is mine. <clears throat> all right. Let me see if I can get through this fucking word salad, I'm man. I'm sure I'll fuck it up a couple of times. It's very special, though. Oh, very boy. special for you guys. All right, you ready? Right, <clears throat> here we go. Let's get the uh, vocal cords going. Uh-huh. All right. Let's do it. Hello and welcome to the With Jay Burke Show. My name is Jason Burke, and though I'm technically the host of this podcast, it's the guests who truly take top billing. This is a place for curious minds who enjoy civil and sometimes meandering conversation. If you appreciate a few laughs and want to come away with knowledge about subjects that aren't always easy to break down, then you're the person I want listening to this podcast. Allow me to introduce our esteemed guests for today's podcast. First, we have Ryan McGann one half of the dynamic duo that hosts the wildly entertaining Front Face Lock. This podcast is a delightful mix of wrestling discussions, candid rants about life's little annoyances, and entertaining movie reviews, all while sipping on their favorite beverages. Ryan's journey into the world of podcasting has not been without its moments of standing up to the powers that be. In a remarkable incident, he fearlessly faced off against the formidable media personality, Craig Carton and the influential and corrupt WFAN machine. When Cardin failed to follow through on his own request to have Ryan and his co-hosts featured on the Carton and Roberts sports radio program, Ryan emerged unscathed from the ordeal. And then we have Sean McGann, a fascinating individual with a diverse range of Experiences and Expertise. I can't do this. Expertise.
2: (laughs) I I can't do that.
0: Sean's journey has led him to become a respected researcher and archivist at the Museum of Batman History in Lower Manhattan. (laughs) Notably, he played a crucial role in the release of the highly anticipated Snyder Cut of the Justice League, showcasing his dedication and passion for the iconic superhero. But Sean's adventures extend far beyond the realm of Batman. In his colorful past, he ventured into some truly intriguing occupations from his days as a professional fortune cookie writer to his time as a snake milker extracting venom from snakes for scientific purposes. In fact, rumor... I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not done. You, you have a really fascinating life. In fact, rumor has it that Sean also had a memorable encounter with the legendary physicist Stephen Hawking. During his time working alongside Hawking, whispers circulated that Sean played a part in shaping an idea that would later become known as Hawking radiation. By explaining to Hawking the, the notion that tiny particles could escape from black holes, much like steam rising from... A Boiling Pot of Water, Sean contributed to the evolution of our understanding of the cosmos. Today, Sean has ventured into the realm of storytelling, establishing himself as a professional novelist with three published titles to his name. Furthermore, he showcases his vibrant personality and passion for music as a DJ for WFDU Fairly Dickinson, where he hosts the captivating Saturday night program, The 7 to 10. I want to thank my guests for coming on today.
2: Oh. God. Yeah, I don't know. No, I, none of it's not true. So that's, uh, Well,
0: I have to throw the, the Batman thing in because you're always talking about how you're going to be known as the Batman guy because of this. Uh,
2: yeah, uh, well, I'm okay with being the Batman guy. You also I
0: put mean, Hawking I, 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 in his place, so it's like, what does it matter? I'm just, I'm just
2: the guy that stood up to a, uh, a yeah, the a, corrupt a, WFAN <laughs> enterprise. Yeah, and, and John is apparently taking on Stephen Hawking. <laughs> Yeah, I was impressed with his at first. I'm like, wow, he's like a respected podcaster. I'm like, I thought he just got drunk and talked about wrestling and movies.
0: Whatever happened with Craig Carden? <laughs> he just ignored you, Ryan?
2: He just stopped responding.
0: So for a little background for anybody listening, Ryan's show, he had a little bit of a, I mean, I guess you could call it a spat with Craig Carden, but basically you just kind of went into a little bit of a rant about how much you don't care We'll just put it nicely, how much you don't care for Greg right. Carden and his uh his ex his sports expertise, let's say.
2: I'd like to call it his antics. <laughs> I guess I yeah, can see it, that. Is it even his sport I don't even think it's like his sports opinions, I think it's his on air uh person, you know, but yeah. But you know, the best part of the story is that he had his co host on his show. Ryan That's had right. his Evan Roberts on.
0: Yeah. He seems like a nice was- guy.
2: He was a very nice guy, but he didn't remember being on, which is fine. I don't care about that. Yeah, so I yeah. kept. I actually was trying to get him to talk shit about Craig, and he's like, oh, no, I won't do that. <laughs> he <laughs> seems
0: like he's scared of Craig. Well, Craig Carton's the George Carlin of sports yeah, radio, so, as far as I know. What a segue. Yeah, yeah well, why I had not get, <laughs> get there. It was just going to turn into... The Craig Carton I, I, Well, so you guys are on today. I thought you two would be perfect for this because... I clearly remember watching George Carlin and most of his stand-ups or his HBO specials, which he had like 14 of them, Damn. at your house. So I figured it was perfect. And we're really here to talk about, I guess, both his comedy and probably what he contributed philosophically in some ways to.
2: Yeah. I mean, I remember watching a lot of them when we were probably too young to be watching. Them. We were but it was like a big deal. Yeah, but I mean, like, even before that, I I, mean, I remember, like, my dad used to watch it, or my mom used to watch it, because it was like, that shit was a big deal, like, when we were kids, like, it would, like Saturday night, and, like, it would be a comedy special on. It, it was on always things. live. So it was like, yeah, you know, exactly. Because you were all diseased. He, he screws up in the live one, and it's still yeah. on, the, like, video, but the audio, it's different.
0: Right. So it's funny. The one I remember very vividly was. Um, And I know I saw other ones at your house, but I have to think about it. But the one that always comes to mind is um, Back in Town, because he he does the Why I Don't Vote uh, skit, you know. On election day,
1: I stay home. I don't vote. Fuck them. Fuck them. I don't vote. Two reasons. Two reasons I don't vote. First of all, it's meaningless. This country was bought and sold and paid for a long time ago. The shit they shuffle around every four years. (laughs) me a fucking thing. And secondly, I don't vote because I believe if you vote, you have no right to complain. (laughs) People like to twist that around. I know. They They say, well, if you don't vote, you have no right to complain. But where's the logic in that? If you vote, and you elect dishonest, incompetent people, and they get into office and screw everything up, well, you are responsible for what they have done. You caused the problem. You voted them in. You have no right to complain. I...
2: On the other hand, who did not vote? Who did not vote? That's where free floating hostility came from.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say that's part of that. That's part of free floating hostility, right? He has that like whole whole thing he does. But I remember watching that one and being like, "Wow, he made total sense with that." (laughs) You know, because like I don't know, you know, it was like he was he was a guy who like he was funny, but he probably. Made me think a little more than I realized back then. Like I definitely still see. Are you smoking a joint? What's your problem? oh no. Disgusting. Anyway. You can't um,
2: perform unless you're high. Yeah. <laughs> this is a, this is
0: actually an intervention. It's not a.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's not a joint. I'm sorry. I, I keep freezing. Yeah. I don't know what the hell's going on. It, it must be your end, Jay. It's not mine.
0: I sure blew my shit. Um. <laughs> But, you know, sometimes I'm like, oh, I just, uh, I thought of that. And then I'll watch like an old Carlin skit and I'm like, oh no, that's, that's totally like, I just ripped him off
2: uh, my whole life. Well, because there were so many of them too. And I mean, like, yeah. you know, you probably saw it when I remember like comic relief. Yeah. He was on that for, uh, yeah, I think he, didn't he do, uh, my stuff with that one? Yeah. That was and the one with the stuff. green sweater. And I mean, that was like 80, you know, I mean, you know, it's just like there's so much. And then, of course, even the ones that you didn't see live, I mean, you know, you get on tape somehow or whatever, or record or whatever. So it's like, there's just so much of it.
0: Well, that's true. I mean, when you think about how far back he goes and like, I have to be honest, like there's obviously a point where I don't really know much about him. And that would be, you know, probably that 60s period. And
2: Yeah. Well, he whatever. was doing like the hippy dippy weatherman yeah. and stuff. There's oh, the, the great thing that Bill Burr says on the uh, documentary where he said that like right before the what am I doing in Jersey special, people were like ready to roast him, like right. because he was he was kind of getting stale with his stuff, and he and I think Bill Burr says he came out with a machine gun. Yeah, And he just, just like, he, nobody was expecting him to be as good as he was for that special. Right,
0: yeah. He said that they were going almost, like, to mock him, like you were just saying. And then he's like, he came out and, like, gave a howitzer. <laughs> it's like,
2: <laughs> uh, what was that? What am I doing the church? That was, like, one of the first ones I remember. That was, like, kind of the second time he reinvented himself. Because, I mean, really, the, he had seven words and all that shit. When he was kind of like a, you know, yeah. after he saw Lenny Bruce.
1: Well, we have more ways to describe dirty words than we actually have dirty words. That seems a little strange to me. It seems to indicate that somebody was awfully interested in these words. They kept referring to them. They called them bad words. Dirty. Filthy. Foul. Vile. Vulgar. Coarse. In poor taste. Unseemly. Street talk. Gutter talk. Locker room language. Barracks talk. Body naughty, saucy, raunchy, rude, crude, lewd, lascivious, indecent, profane, obscene, blue, (laughs) off-color, risqué, suggestive, cursing, cussing, swearing, and all I could think of was shit, piss, fuck, cunt, cocksucker, motherfucker, and tits. (laughs) Shit, miss fuck cunt cocksucker motherfucker in tits. That was my
2: original list. I knew it wasn't complete, but it was a starter. Set. When Muddy Bruce was kind of going through all that shit, you know, he was getting arrested in clubs.
0: Yeah, he had the counterculture yeah. era, I should yeah. call it. And then I think the. I guess after Kinnison or whatever, something kind of changed in him. And then I, I don't know what you would call him, like the angry uncle period or something like that. But uh,
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, that's kind of. It's like a band kind of staying up with what's going on in music, you know? I mean, like, uh, you know, I I guess, like, Lenny Bruce kind of, when he he was going through all that shit, he kind of let it get to him. And You know, I mean, he didn't really do comedy anymore. He kind of just did, like, he'd go and show up and talk about, you know, he'd, like, read his arrest report and shit on stage. I mean, like, it wasn't even hardly doing jokes anymore. So Colin kind of figured a way to make that into a routine and had some jokes. Even that Angry Uncle period, like, with the jamming in New York and back in town, I mean, half of that special, if not more of it, is nonsense jokes. I mean, like, you know, not even nonsense, but like, like you're about the free-floating hostility. I mean, me and Ryan talk about this all the time. The uh, part of that bit where he's like, Mickey Mouse's birthday is on the news. <laughs> Do you give a shit about Mickey Mouse's birthday? I don't. He's like, I write him a card. Dear Mickey, happy birthday. Love George. I don't want because I don't give a shit. That, that was jamming in New York, which is still my top one favorite. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it might be mine, too. And the first half of that one is the, the airplane bit, which is... Yeah. Just, one of my favorite things, which is not political. I mean, that's, you know, it's just, it's just. Well, the, the first time yeah, yeah. in New York was political because it was the the bombs are shaped like dicks and the bullets are shaped like yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah. The George Bush. Yeah. It was the Persian Gulf War, right? It was 92. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then even the end was kind of.
2: Yeah. He shifts to like homelessness and well, stuff like that.
0: Oh, yeah. Golf, golf courses for the homeless or. or yeah, something like that, right?
2: Cemeteries. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. But he ends with the planet is fine. And the greatest
1: arrogance of all, save the planet. What? Are these fucking people kidding me? Save the planet? We don't even know how to take care of ourselves yet. We haven't learned how to care for one another. We're going to save the fucking planet? I'm getting tired of that shit. Tired of that shit. Tired. I'm tired of fucking Earth Day. I'm tired of these self-righteous environmentalists, these white bourgeois liberals who think the only thing wrong with this country is there aren't enough bicycle paths. People trying to make the world safe for their Volvos. Besides, environmentalists don't give a shit about the planet. They don't care about the planet. Not in the abstract, they don't. Not in the abstract, they don't. You know what they're interested in? A clean place to live their own habitat. They're worried that someday in the future they might be personally inconvenienced. Narrow, unenlightened self-interest doesn't impress me. Besides, there is nothing wrong with the planet. Nothing wrong with the planet. The planet is fine. The people are fucked. (laughs) Difference. Difference. The planet is fine. Compared to the people, the planet is doing great. It's been here four and a half billion years. Do you ever think about the arithmetic? Planet has been here four and a half billion years. We've been here, what, 100,000? Maybe 200,000?
0: That's coming yeah. in New York, right? Which is yeah. probably, to me, his best yeah I think, that's his, best I think one. that's his favorite, too. I saw in an interview with him that he said that. He kind of realized he was a writer when he wrote that yeah. one.
2: Because that's the one where you can still relate. To everything he says in that special. If you were political, if you, if you just like the stuff that they like, the middle thing, then the, the flying on the airplane. I watched it every time before I get on a plane. <laughs> <laughs> every aspect of that special, there's something you, everybody can relate to.
0: Yeah. Well, you guys are both right in the sense that, I, I guess the, the YouTube clips, the clips you find of him now are all the relevant stuff, which is still yeah. amazing that he was, you know, kind of pre-scient back then, but yeah, he still was kind of silly in a lot of ways, right? Like he had a lot of yeah. a lot of jokes that he
2: actually told. Yeah, it was never just like he wasn't lecturing. I mean, he was lecturing maybe to a point, but it wasn't like you know, like Marr, you know, like Mar. I always feel like lecture. Marr,
0: I actually wanted and to get I'm, into I, that later uh, too, <laughs> but please do well, because I can't say anymore. <laughs> yeah, so I, I wasn't, should I get into that now? Yeah, so, so, this your show. You do. You want. all right? All right? All right. You're right. You're right. Um, no, yeah, I, I know what you mean. Like, so, but his lecturing—there's a difference between what Mar does and—and and sometimes, listen, Mar has some really great points, and he delivers it okay. Pl- Carlin's lectures, I don't feel like he's talking down to me. He's talking about like this huge mechanism yeah, it's, it's and the society of yeah, people yeah. in general.
2: The thing with Marr, and I'm sorry to cut you off, is the thing with Marr is that he almost feels like he wants you to agree with him.
0: Yeah. Like he's. Like,
2: he's, he's uh, well, Mar, if, if you don't agree with him, you're wrong. Like I, there was a thing that I, me and Sean had watched with him and uh, Steve Martin and Martin Short where he was trying to talk about millennials. Remember, you it. remember that it was when he was talking, they were talking about uh, Selena Gomez and he's like, oh, the millennials just don't get it. They don't understand. And Martin Martin started doing a great job of just playing it off. And he was just pushing the issue and they just kept playing it off. Right. And he was like trying to force his opinion. There. Carlin always did it where he just kind of said, like, this is how I feel. And I'm just going to tell you how I feel. and And Mars always like, if you don't feel how I feel, you're wrong.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mar is also not funny. You know what I mean? Like I don't I don't find him to be that great of I've watched his comedy specials. I mean, the I'll laugh a little bit here and there, but I've never I never have went to him to actually laugh if I watched him. Like there's no because, there's Yeah, and there's always
2: that like a narrative for the special. It's like it's like just topics, whatever's going on. It's it's hard so it's got really no value of going back and watching except as like a time capsule. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, The other thing, it, it doesn't shift gears at all. You know what I mean? Like, Carl will do, like, a political bit that will do fart jokes or dick jokes or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's like a show. And, and and Mar's stuff is like, if you don't know what's going on in the time that he did the special, yeah. you're kind of lost. Like, right. Carl is kind of, it just encapsulates everything where it's it, it just fits and all – I used encapsulate. That's a fucking $5 <laughs> word right there. You never um, hear that on the Front Faiton's Lockdown podcast. No, you never hear that <laughs> word ever. Uh, but it just – you just under, like you can hear something from 1975, and it's still relatable today. Mm-hmm. Mars is like – you don't know about the Grenada where the two helicopters hit each other.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you
2: know yeah. That's one well, of the other thing I think is he doesn't mention specific politicians a lot. Uh, in fact, he even references right. that at one point. He says, I don't go after politicians. Right. In general, you know, except you know, they, I mean, you know, what am I doing in Jersey? He talks about uh, Reagan. That's pretty much, the yeah, thing. yes. So that, that, and that kind of parlayed into the you know the priests who they didn't want to, listen, you know, they didn't want stuff on the radio or whatever. Right, it kind of parlayed it into that. But yeah, I mean, you know, I think a lot of going after specific politicians or whatever. I mean, and they obviously, I mean, some people do it with a little more finesse than uh, than others. But I mean, you know, a whole hour of that, you can kind of go to. I mean, the comedy shows to kind of, you know, forget that, don't you? Or at least, you know, at least, you know, maybe get a little bit of levity about it, but then, you know, you move on from it a little bit too, you know?
0: Yeah, I think he he definitely had a good, he definitely had a balance in his act of all he did. Actually, I think he was, when I actually watched the specials, I'm like, oh, you know what? He was more of a comedian. I used to think of him as an observationalist who was kind of funny sometimes because, like we're talking about, like the YouTube bits that stick are the ones that are still relevant today. And and to Ryan's mm. point, uh, yeah, what he's talking about, there's a reason he's relevant, is because he kind of talks about uh, and to and to Sean's point too, he's not talking about specific people. He's usually talking about groups, of yeah. individuals or society or something like that. Just how it operates as a whole. He's taking like a, a really far world view of it, like above it, you know.
1: Uh I love people as I meet them one by one. People are the, are just wonderful as individuals. You see the whole universe in their eyes if you look carefully, but as soon as they begin to group as soon as they begin to clot when there are five of them or ten or even the group's as small as two, they begin to change. They sacrifice the beauty of the individual mm-hmm. for the
2: sake of the group
0: and um and I forget totally what I started talking about so uh, let's go somewhere
2: he, else if you, uh, well, he's like Superman, and Superman returns when he's up in space. And he's looking <laughs> down at the world, and he's listening to everything. And then he figures out that Lois Lane's in trouble, and he focuses on that. That was part He's just listening. I'm just trying to make it more common. No, I like was- that. <sighs> yeah, I do like you're, that. You're going to get pegged the Superman, guy. You better be careful.
0: Yeah. Well,
2: There was something I heard Superman. on uh, Opie and Anthony years ago. Uh, Norton had just come out with, I think it was Monster Rain. And somebody asked him if it was live. And he goes, No, no, nobody does live anymore. Carlin's the, ol- the only one that could do that. And it was like right before the le- Carlin's last special. Yeah. And he's like, and yeah, Nobody does live anymore except Carlin. Good. No, I was going to say, I know. Well, comedy specials are so weird now, too. Because they're all like, like, everybody in the world has one now because
0: there's, well, there's just so Netflix. many places to go. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And Amazon and everywhere else. It's just, And there's not a lot of different takes on it, too. I mean, I know some people tried to do some weird shit with it. Like, uh, I think Sarah Silverman did one in front of her parents. It's the only people in the audience. Just kind of, you know, I guess funny for a minute. You know, like at the end of the day, it's like there's really only so much to do with it.
0: Yeah, you know, it's funny. He did so many of those live specials. And I read that he said part of what made him do so many and why he thinks he got so much better at comedy was... He owed the IRS money for like 20 years. So he's, really? yeah, he was consistently forced to work. And he said that I probably would have tried to be an actor more and try to lean towards that. And he's like, and I probably would have failed miserably.
2: So he, he did Garwash. Yeah, he did. Well, he was the Bill and Ted.
0: Yep. Uh, and, uh, he did the Kevin Smith movies. Bob.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. I, was, I, forgot, I forgot about that. And think was in. Uh, here's here's one I'll pull out of my ass. Uh, what was it? It was the Barbra Streisand movie, and he played the gay neighbor. Or, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, the one with Jeff Bridges. The mirror has two faces. Why do I know oh, that? My God. Yes. Movie uh, yeah. it Was George Carlin playing the gay neighbor, like having cocktail parties and stuff? Well, yeah.
0: That was kind of his plan, though. He, he wanted to be Danny Kaye. Yeah. Right? I mean, he said eventually that's the kind of career he had wanted, you know, before oh, initially, yeah. When initially, he, was, yeah. Uh,
2: he was also a Mr. Conductor. Oh, I know oh, yeah. that
0: very well. He was, he was my favorite conductor to be honest. Although Ringo was not bad either, I'm going to be honest. I, I was okay with Ringo.
2: Ringo wanted to be an actor too. Did he now? Ringo should have been an actor. He acted After like the a drummer. <laughs> <laughs> he acted like uh, an important uh, member of the Beatles. <laughs> Wow. i still have to watch that just to see
0: that's great you're talking about the um
2: the apple thing, or the, the disney whatever the hell Peter it's Jackson great thing.
0: it was fantastic yeah, sure it is. yeah you know it was I have no, no excuse it was funny I mean, not watching it. i'm glad let's just talk about the Beatles now thanks sean uh, <laughs> no you know what i did <laughs> like about it though well you know it was a documentary so you know, judd apatow did a documentary about carlin so, you know, so just all, a segue. same. But um, no, you know what was what was cool about it was like they didn't hate each other that much. Like they they seem to have a lot of fun.
2: Every clip I've seen from it, it's like yeah, they're, even like the ones that are like oh, you can feel the tension. It's like oh, I thought. I mean, this I've been in very shitty bands and yeah, it's like it's more tense than X. You know, it's like any every band secretly kind of hates each other. It kind of band with you. It, yeah, <laughs> it was in a few of them. I, yeah. I,
0: yeah, there was a couple. Oh, yeah. Uh, we got paid when we got paid in alcohol. Oh God. Yeah, those, those were the nights. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, but it it was um, um, it felt more like with the Beatles they were just ready to move, on, or at least Lennon was ready to move on, yeah. and probably Harrison too, because like Harrison, if they would have had Harrison more involved. They probably could have done like 10 years of more albums cuz he had a triple he was, fucking album afterwards.
2: Yeah. That was, was really my, good. He was my favorite Beatle because I personally think and this is my opinion, I think he was the most musically talented, but I I saw specials where like Paul would like go in the studio at night and re-record solos cuz he didn't like how George did it. Yeah. So like a lot of the solos you hear that are supposed to be Harrison are actually McCartney who re-recorded them. I always get the like, vibe like Paul is a control freak, but then uh, I've also seen stuff with him where he's like, well, nobody else wanted to fucking do it, so I had to do it. Yeah, I still I'm like, yeah, I guess that. that kind of makes sense, too. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I guess it's right. You know, like, somebody had to fucking do it. Well, it, like it been the like
0: after, what's-his-name died? Um, uh, Epstein. Epstein died. Uh, Paul felt like he had to take the reign. That's what Lennon said, anyway. Uh, Paul felt that, like he was kind lead. of
2: why, like, I was always a Stones fan over the Beatles, and I don't hate the Beatles. Are we talking about the Beatles now? Is that what we're doing? I mean, this is my I, fault. I, I, yeah, I, yeah I, we are I, right I, now. I can just uh, cut I, it. I, I don't know.
0: We'll see where it goes.
2: I, I always like the Beatles, the, the Stones more than the Beatles because I know the Be- the Stones had like their little phase where they had like a, a disco album. And I forget the name of it. Emotional and, rescue. Emotional rescue. Thank you, John. And and a few other, but for the most part, like like if you're going to tell me, uh, let me hold your hand versus uh, let's spend the night together. Like, I'm taking Let's Spend the Night Together, Satisfaction versus Love Me Do. Like, I'm taking Satisfaction. Like, I just think that overall, and they've been doing it for 50 years, you know, I just think the Stones were more, uh, they had more, like, uh, uh, what's the word, not content, but like uh, there was just something more uh, meaningful in in their songs than Love Me Do.
0: Yeah, but I would venture to say, oh, this totally got off topic. But I would venture to say that take, you know, Love Me Do and then get to a day in the life, and that's like five years apart. Like it's a vast amount of musical growth in that short period of time is what impresses me the most, you know? And whereas, where what's impressive about the Stones is like, they stayed good for that long, you know what I mean? Like they never really right. flamed out. Yeah,
2: and I'm not disparaging what the Beatles did. I'm just saying, I, like at the you know, I would
0: agree going, with you though. At the beginnings, the between the two, yeah. I can't argue I mean, that he, fact.
2: It's kind of like saying Megadeth, Metallica, and I'm sorry, we're going off on a way big tangent. It's I like, promise uh,
0: meandering conversation. So yeah. gotta
2: say meandering, yeah, like Megadeth, Metallica, I'm giving Metallica "Kill 'Em All," "Ride the Lightning," "Master of Puppets," and "Justice," but then from "Justice." A year later, Rust in Peace came out, and then I'm giving mm-hmm. Megadeth all the credit from that. Megadeth became the better band from Rust in Peace on. So, yeah. not saying Metallica's not a good band, but I just think somebody took over as the better band.
0: Right. I, I could agree with that. But yeah, I, I think it's funny because I wanted to bring the Beatles up before and how many times they changed and how many times Carlin changed. It was so so good on you okay so but yeah but that's my my thing with the beatles is i think that they're probably you know by today's standards nobody really knows it but they were probably the most experimental band of all time when you think about like everything they just did and tried but they were also afforded a luxury that a lot of bands didn't have where they stopped touring and just hung out in the studio 300 (laughs) days a year you know what i mean nah, so and nah, they could nah. still sell you might you might albums. say eight days a week <laughs> they worked eight <laughs> days a week yeah. there is some albums i definitely can't really pick up that are early on i, I will i will be grudging that
2: shit anymore either you know
0: there's a lot of people don't you don't listen, listen to them? the
2: radio they don't play i mean the you know FDU, but um but real now they don't play anything before like uh maybe rubber soul yeah, made a revolver, but nothing like let me do and all that stuff. That stuff's so yeah, that's period. just. Be that's I just to be real quick, just keep talking. Keep
0: okay, doing. we'll leave a this.
2: Peanut or nut? So just talk.
0: don't you have something to pee in, like a bottle?
2: That's what right. I do. I just—it's my bed. Jesus Christ! Be right in it.
0: My God! Well, go go save us.
2: No, I was going to say the uh, with the Carlin thing too, when you're talking about influencing people. Um, as far as the Beatles, you know, it's funny because when you said about Kinnison, I know he dedicated Jamming in New York to Kinnison, yeah, because that was like right after he died. But Hicks was another one that he really influenced. He, well,
3: he, that yeah. was
2: also ten years after he was gone. You know, you're listening to Hicks stuff, and it's like the same. So. It it was very like you know relevant still.
0: You know we could just dive into that because I was going to try to talk about at some point who he would have passed the baton to. And there's obviously there's a lot of funny guys around and a lot of guys who are socially, um, I guess, in tune with with the times. I think losing Bill Hicks was losing the next George the guy he passed the baton to. You know, like when I think about his like marketing bit and stuff like that, which was super Uh, funny, but also uh, you know spot on. Like you know, when you uh, think about it, it's probably the most evil thing in the world.
2: I'm I'm a huge. I mean, everybody knows I'm a huge Bill Hicks fan. I love him. He's one of. He's probably one of my top five favorite memes. The problem with Bill Hicks that Carlin didn't have is that Hicks did what Trump was saying earlier. He was specific with certain things. Yes. Yeah. It, as a, Like, we know it's funny because we lived through some of the stuff he talked about, the Gulf War and, and and George Bush and Rush Limbaugh and all stuff like that. And it was funny because we know it. But it wasn't as broad of a topic as what Carlin was doing. I think Hicks was the yeah. perfect con receiver, I guess. But if I could say the comedian that I think is kind of uh, carrying on the, the Carlin tradition is Stanhope.
0: I thought you were going to go there. Yeah, I would... Uh- yeah. I would, I would agree. He's so much more. I don't want to use the word vile, but he, he really
2: is <laughs> so it's much that, it's more vile. Honesty, I love him. Yeah, 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 but it's uh, that honesty that he has that Carlin had. That yeah, he's
0: had. yeah. I could, I could. Yeah, I know what you mean. That that's true. Um, yeah, I mean his the nationalism bit. Yeah, is, yeah. Is, is straight out of a Carlin playbook. I mean, it's his own spin and his own thing. But that's something I can listen to in about 50 years, and I'll still probably feel the same way about it, and it'll still be relatable in the way Carlin can be.
3: Nationalism does nothing but teach you how to hate people that you never met, and all of a sudden you take pride in accomplishments you had no part in whatsoever, and you brag about yeah. Like the Americans would go, fuck the French. Fuck the French. If we hadn't to saved their ass in two world wars, they'd be speaking German right now. You go, oh, was that us? That was us? Was, was that me and you, Tommy? We saved the French? Jesus. I know I blacked out a little bit after that fourth shot of Jägermeister last night, but I don't, I don't remember... I know we went through to Wendy's drive thru. We were going to get one of them fresh set of sandwiches. It looked so alluring on the commercial, but then we ordered it and realized we had no money and uh, we had to ditch out before the second window. And those douchebags in line behind us with the bass music probably got our order. And out. We laughed about that, but I don't remember saving the French. <laughs> I went through the last 10 calls on my cell phone, and there's nothing incoming or outgoing to the French looking for muscle on a project. I checked my pants. There's no mud stains on the knees from where we were garroting krauts in the trenches at Verdun. I think we didn't do anything but watch sports bloopers while we got hammered. I think we should shut the fuck up
2: muscle job for the way crowds krauts in yeah. the trenches of So Carl Carrin has his bit, I think it's the one he did in New Brunswick, it was the one right before uh jamming in New York. Uh it was the one we talked about shaking hands with a guy who has no fingers. Uh, <laughs> doesn't scream Yeah he's like ah! I forget the name of the special. But he talks about it was the one we talked about Elmer Fudd raping Porky Pig and uh he talks about words and he says the N word. And he yes, says he does. There's nothing wrong with saying the n-word, isn't that? But then Stanhope has the bit where he says the f-word, you know, uh, talking about gays. He says the f-word. He goes, "That's a great word, you know. If you if you're offended by that, I'll I'll take you in the back and suck your dick, you know, just <laughs> because it's a good word." So I think that's the same vibe, yeah, that Carlin had, that Stanhope had, like where it's like just nothing's off limits, and he can explain his way out of saying the awful thing because he makes it funny. Well, I think part of it was. You know, saying that as far as language goes, that it's—it's it's just you're, words incriminating yeah. language instead of you know the shittiness behind you know like the people who right. signed it and all that. You know, words well, as opposed language. to intent. Now I
1: probably got some other group pissed off at me because I said fruit. There's a different group to get pissed off at you in this country for everything you're not supposed to say. There is absolutely nothing wrong. There is absolutely nothing wrong with any of those words in and of themselves. They're only words. It's the context that counts. It's the user. It's the intention behind the words that makes them good or bad. The words are completely neutral. The words are innocent. I get tired of people talking about bad words and bad language. Bullshit! It's the context that makes them good or bad. The context that makes them good or bad.
0: Yeah, Sam has
2: a great line where he yes. says, uh, "If you're offended by any word in any language, you're probably not uh, suitable to be an adult, or to be a parent,
3: right? Or something, yeah.
2: something like that." I, 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 I know I screwed it up, but it, it, he's right, and and that was the vibe that Carlin always had, where it's just like, say whatever the fuck you want, because it shouldn't be a, It's funny, right? I think, I think. Well, what they have in common too is. Uh, uh groups like you know group being a target you know as far as uh you know Pete carlin had a lot of the stuff with you know like the the christian conservative stuff and all that you mm-hmm. know and then i know it's for like uh stand up saying about like it's the first thing you uh if you introduce yourself as uh, you know hi i'm gary i'm a sagittarius I mean, that's the first thing on your profile it's like you know mm-hmm. you know you gotta have whatever group you want to lump yourself into yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of a boring thing and i think that's kind of yeah i I could see that being like you know a similar thing
0: um i, I always thought louis ck had a chance to be him and uh, now yeah there uh, was a
2: minute there yeah he, his last three specials you know whatever he did it's terrible or whatever i don't know but his last three specials are still really funny they and are really, yeah really relevant yeah no, but his, funny. Still, yeah.
0: He got away – man, I've heard him say some shit on like Conan O'Brien or on like – just because of the context he was talking about with uh, – I don't know, was the, the joke about Huckleberry Finn?
2: What was the deer too?
0: Yeah, I, I think um, – I used to say that he was the next Carlin and then I, I, I don't know if he could ever get there even though his stand-up is good just because I think he's a little marred by the – by what happened.
2: yeah. Well, it's I mean, funny I mean, he's on grave on that too because he denied it for so you know, long. Like, he wouldn't. Yeah, you know, it's like, funny, he, a weird. If you watch his young stand-up special, he it, so I think it was Man yeah. two. It was him, Dave Chappelle. I, I can't What's remember on? the other guy's name. Uh, Anthony Clark, uh, Patton Oswalt. No, he wasn't on that. It was um, that. Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle. And He's very good. Too. Yeah, he is. Yeah, good. But but Louis CK was actually one of the least funny people on that special. Yeah. And he ended up being the funniest one of the funniest people on that special.
0: Yeah, and if you if you see why he actually credits Carlin for that. I don't know if you ever seen that I guess he, he was listened to like an, an award or something. He was given an award. He got really emotional, too. Yeah. But kids need to laugh, so the first
1: time you really laugh means a lot to you. And I remember my first big, like, grown-up feeling laugh. And I saw George Carlin on Saturday Night Live, and he said, um, he said, what do dogs do on their day off? Uh, they can't lay around. That's their job. And I just, something went off, and I just couldn't stop laughing. And, and I, I, the idea was born in my head at that moment. I want to be funny. I want to be a comedian. I didn't know that a grown person could be a comedian. That's an incredible thing to me
0: uh yeah i remember showing out to my son he was like wow he got really because we'll watch some of that uh-huh. stuff he's like wow i didn't expect him to be so yeah, emotional
2: prior yeah
0: yeah and um he basically said that he listened i don't know if he listened to like an audio tape like a book on tape of carlin's and carlin talked about throwing out everything he had from one year to the next and starting over and louis ck said I wrote this, like I developed this over 15 years. I was telling like the same jokes and they sucked, you know, but they were mine and I developed them. And then he said, he went out, he went out on stage. And the first thing he did was like, he had nothing. He said like, uh, my kids suck and I never have sex with my wife or whatever. And some woman was like, oh my God. And he was like, but that's good. That was good. Cause that was a real reaction that I got. And he kind of like was freed by that. He just, went from there and that's what changed him he also said giving up helped. like once he yeah. he said to himself like well i'm never gonna make it and i've heard bill burr say that too like as soon as he stopped caring about making it like he made it
2: i i love <laughs> bill burr my problem with bill burr is that and i think he's a i think his point of view on a lot of 90 percent of stuff he says is, is is amazing but he can also get a little too specific in the uh the narrative
0: i was gonna say he's carlin's like the out when i say like he's got the worldview like from high above bill burr is kind of on the ground like he's a grounded comedian to me yeah which what you're saying is it, it gets a little too specific maybe for you know 20 years down the line you're gonna know, listen and be that, like no this sounds funny but like
2: i i think that's a hard thing to do though i don't think i don't think you can write an act you no know, i mean i know it's like yeah I think the thing that's special about Carlin is that it does, it did happen to work. That it, you know, that he you can't yeah. listen to him now. But I don't think he gets set out to do that. You know what I mean? I think you got to just write what you write. You know what I mean? Like, so for like somebody like Burr, if you're talking strictly like, a, you know, if you're a political comedian and you're just doing the, you know, Dennis Miller or Bill Maher thing, you're just going out there and bitching about shit for an hour. That's one thing. But like, you know, like with Burr, it's like, yeah, I know you mean like, yeah, specific about some things, but it's like, you know what? I mean, that. I think that's kind of got to be what it is. You know what I mean? I don't think there's any way around that. I yeah. think you know, you're, you're, you're the only right. other way. Yeah. No, I'm not saying you're saying he's not. I'm just saying, that I think, like, for somebody like him, I don't, you know, I think that's You're
0: not writing, thinking about the longevity of a joke, yeah. I guess, right? Yeah. I mean, like, there's
2: that, the other side of it would be, like, somebody like uh, Hedberg or, like, Stephen Wright, where it's, like, you're just doing non-sequitur stuff, where it's, like, yeah. so, you know, so it's, you know, it's timeless kind of it's jokes. You're doing jokes, pretty much, you know, and, or whatever. And, and to Jay's point earlier, like Carlin has reinvented himself two, three times. Like, you know, in the in the '60s, he was the shirt and tie coming out doing the uh, the the safe humor on the Ed Sullivan show, and then Sean said, you know, he did the uh, seven deadly words you can't, you know, seven words you can't say on television, and you know, picking the bread up and the and the one slice always goes to the side. And then, you know, it was the, uh, the special at uh, What Are You Doing in New Jersey where he came out and just changed his whole persona and nobody was expecting it. And it just it just changed everything. I'm like, you listen to that, the What Am I Doing in Jersey Now, you it's got it. still relevant.
1: So anyway, about 80 years after the Constitution is ratified, 80 years later, the slaves are freed. Not so you'd really notice it, of course. <laughs> just sort of on paper. And that was, of course, during the Civil War. Now, there's another phrase I dearly love. That is a true oxymoron if I've ever heard one. Civil War. Do you think any country could really have a Civil War? <laughs> Say, pardon me, <laughs> I'm awfully sorry.
3: I'm awfully sorry. So.
1: Now, of course, the Civil War has been over for about 120 years, but not so you'd really notice it. (laughs) Because we still have these people called Civil War Buffs, people who thought it was a really keen war. And they study the battles carefully, and they try to improve on the strategies and the tactics to increase the body count in case we have to go through it again sometime. In fact, some of these people actually get dressed up in uniform once a year and go out and refight these battles. You know what I say? Use live ammunition, assholes, would you please? (laughs) You might just raise the intelligence level of the American gene pool. But what do you expect? Hey, come on. This is a warlike country. We come from that northern European, basically the northern European genes, the blue eyes, those blue eyes. Boy, everybody in the world learned real quick, didn't they? When those blue eyes sail out of the north, you better nail everything down, motherfucker. <laughs> nail it down, strap it down, or they'll grab it. If they can't take it home, they'll burn it. If they can't burn it, they'll fuck it. <laughs> That's what happened to us. And it's a warlike country. Come on. I mean, forget foreign policy. Even the domestic rhetoric is warlike. Everything about our domestic policy invokes the thought of war. We don't like something in this country, we declare war on it. The war on poverty. The war on drugs. The war on crime. The war on AIDS. The war on cancer. We got the only national anthem that mentions fucking rockets and bombs in the goddamn thing. You know what
3: I
2: mean? All right. I mean that anyway, was you know, eighty six I want to say I think
0: it yeah, was eighty six when I looked it up yeah it was eighty six yeah, that,
2: that's almost forty years ago and it's everything he says is still relevant like watch a movie and it's not relevant forty years later but his like, standing up still in the future back yeah hardly any of that applies now
0: well that's not true we're in the timeline that Biff got the almanac yeah, I'm true. convinced of it I'm convinced. It. <laughs> We are in the alternate timeline.
2: Well, didn't the Cubs almost get in the World Series? Oh, they won sixteen
0: out of fifteen. That's what well, so in fi- yeah, because yeah. I, re- I remember that's when the Mets went to the World Series and lost uh, to yeah. Kansas City. Because I, I remember there was a meme that showed uh, you know Michael J. Fox and Christopher uh, Lloyd in the future looking at the newspaper. That's a newspaper that said the Cubs win. It, it says,
2: look, yeah.
0: look Doc." past is changing or something the cubs are getting the shit kicked out of them by the mets or whatever because it was like, like three nothing at that point
2: <laughs> but your father still died by a gunshot by dip what <laughs> oh man you know and another thing i mean you know we're in a all he's been praised here not the last special because the last special he did was great the second to last one where he did it with the graveyard set that was all right that life, was okay, life is worth was, losing yeah that was a that was pretty vicious that one that was yeah. the one where we talked about. His uncle, his uncle Greg, or whatever, and everybody's uncle. Or I forget the name. He, he does. He does like that poetry thing. Yeah, yes. the lullaby, the advertising lullaby thing. And uh, it it was that was like the most like just angry kind of uh, ranting thing that I remember him doing. I mall. remember when uh, when You Were All Disease came out. We watched that actually at our yeah. house. And I remember it just being super. Like I remember watching it, like going, "He's like really angry," and, but apparently his wife had just died. Yeah, like the night. Before. Oh yeah, yeah. And he did it, and it was like, "Wow, th- he's like super angry at this one." And then the next one was uh, complaints and
0: Complaining, uh, yeah.
2: Which was good. That was after around eleven, and then uh, the life is worth <laughs> thing was okay. But the, last one, was, the so, last one was great. So
0: I get Life is Worth Losing sometimes confused for the last one. Um, that
2: was – um, it's bad for you. Yeah, it's, bad, it's for
0: bad for you. But It's Bad for You has – I guess I get it mixed up because he does – the Dumb Americans bit is in Life is Worth
2: Losing. I think so, yeah. Right?
0: And I always think yeah. it's going to lead – I'm trying to think of how that one ends. That's the one where he I talks was, about how they're fat asses and – You look at some of these, the size of some of these people, and you think, do these people fuck? You know, like.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's funny because the the It's Bad for You special. Me and Sean and our father saw him at the Strand Theater in Lakewood. Probably two or three months before that came out. And Dennis, our father, uh, was in communication with him via uh, his job at the time. And. He signed a picture for Dennis, and it says, "Dennis, blow me, love George." We still have it. <laughs> and he he wanted like he was going to meet us. He was going to come out after the show yeah. and meet. Him. He I think he stuck his head out or something and said like, you know, I'm I'm sick. I'm not you know or whatever it was. And somebody stuck their head out. Like, I'm not feeling well. But he said this joke. It, I never forgot the joke because was just so funny. And he never said it in any of the specials. He said, "You know what the best part about being a dog is." you can take a shit anywhere and nobody cares. <laughs> and I remember like, he's like, you can just walk across the floor, take a shit and walk away. And everybody just clean it up. And like, I just remember that joke. And I was like, it's just so relatable. <laughs> you have a dog. It just takes a shit and you walk, it walks away. You clean it up. And he never said that in any, in, in his last special, at least.
0: You know, it's, you know, it's funny. I read, or actually, no, I was listening to his daughter on a podcast And she said that he had said he wished there was a form of communication where he could just send out like one joke a day because he had so many written jokes that he loved, but he couldn't tie them into his routine. But he essentially almost described Twitter.
2: Yeah, I was going to say that been perfect. Yeah,
0: even though it would be interesting to hear what his musings are on, you know, (laughs) some of this stuff, all the dialogue that, that goes on today with Twitter and
2: yeah, if he would have got sucked into that whole thing. He would have got sucked into it, That's... and he probably would have shit talked it as well. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I, I think yeah, he would definitely have been like a troll. Well, my favorite,
2: yeah, talking. my favorite people on Twitter are the ones who you know shit talk it and do what? it anyway. Yeah, yeah. I one of them. But yeah, <laughs> if, you know, you're, it's funny you're singing about, uh, errors, and, uh, you were saying about heirs and such. You know, Chappelle kind of almost as far as you know, touching on topical stuff and uh, observational stuff, I would have thought Chappelle a couple of years ago. I, I think the thing he's kind of doing now is a little strange and weird. He'll uh, to kind of die that, on.
0: All right. So there is a symptom, I think, in, in comedy today where, let's see if I could explain this right. It's probably, it's part of my problem with Mar is yeah. they live in a different world than we do right so they're always talking about like somebody's coming after their speech or this or that yeah and somehow they make that like it's you know it becomes this political thing that like you know these people on the left are trying to like you know take away everybody's speech and make everybody the same i don't see a lot of that that exists if you're like a regular person and yeah. that's what that's like. One of the main things that bothers me about Mar is like he'll start talking about children and like how they should be parented, or like how this person's not going to let you talk. You know, the left is so like this and that. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, like what what world, world do you, do you live in? in? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're not. You you don't like. You don't it's exist not real, in the same place. Yeah. So, I think comedians, and you know, I've heard Seinfeld say it, he wouldn't do colleges anymore and stuff like that. And and listen, there's probably some truth to whatever they're talking. There's always going to be an asshole. They've had to deal with assholes their whole career.
2: Yeah. I mean, 40 years ago, it was, it was the right doing the same, you know, yeah. the same thing, you know, and then they made it. There's still comedy.
0: But that's Chappelle kind of like fell into that trap too, yeah. because, you know, obviously he's. You got a lot of shit for the last special with whatever the trans jokes and things like yeah, that.
2: If you if you listen to that joke and and I get you know I, I'm am somebody that always like to look on both sides. I listen to extreme yeah, I do right see. radio and I listen to extreme left radio just to hear both sides. I don't I don't like to live in an echo chamber. Right. But the Chappelle thing. He was telling a story about a friend of his. Yeah. I
0: agree with I you about
3: that.
2: Yeah. yeah I yeah. get why people were upset by it. But if you really just kind of like open your mind and just like not take it for Chappelle being a leftist comedian for the most part, it's just a funny story about his friend who was a trans comedian. That's all yeah, I. I, mean, I didn't. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, listen, I'm not trans. So I don't know. Maybe thanks I. Thanks for getting anything. me I'm canceled, Justin. guys. Yeah. I mean, thanks for getting you more listeners. Oh, sorry. <laughs>
0: right wing be- guys
2: <laughs> All of a
0: sudden, be, uh, Fox News, this man. guy just if tells it what it like it is man like his
2: show he's like a, con- 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 like a new rogue in here, Joe Rogan here. <laughs> this guys on play <laughs> this guy didn't get the shot <laughs> <laughs> yo i heard Burke was vaccinated bro there's no sure, way. There's, the vaccine, no way. Bro. Huh? There's no way. There's no way that broke up back You hear his last that show? He, <laughs> he got the vaccine, but that kind of like set it off in his mind, and realized that he, he got the he it. got the vaccine, but it fucking, his body rejected it. and <laughs> shot it right back out. Yeah. It, was placebo, it just bro. shot right out of his arm. Uh, uh, he
0: just did it so sh- he could work for his family. Like it was like that, was bit
2: bit was uh. like that scene in the crow where he squeezes his arm, the girl's <laughs> arm, and the fucking heroin just comes out. It's the same thing.
0: How the fuck did that happen?
2: Oh, yeah. yeah
0: yeah. i just i just have this like really big issue i just have this generalized big issue with this whole like you know everybody's dunking on your speech thing and i'm like i guess i can see how you feel like that if you're one of these people but in like real life i still hear a lot of fucked up shit every day
2: where the fuck are you hearing them say it? You're hearing Mars say it on his fucking weekly television yeah. show. You're hearing fucking Chappelle say it on his fucking third Netflix special in, you know, how many years. I mean, you know, it's like hey, you're giving it more air. You know what I mean? Like, fucking just do your show. It's like, you know, you know I mean? Like, nobody's telling you not to do anything. Like, you know.
0: Well, that's exactly, I think, the problem I had with Chappelle after that is it would have been funny, like, just to make a joke about it. But then he came out and was like, they're trying to cancel me. You know? Yeah. And it's like.
2: Well, that's an interesting point. Let me ask you both this question. Do you think if Carlin was still alive, people would be trying to cancel him because of the shit he said? Um, I was I wondering. That. Because that New Brunswick special where he says, Have you ever tried to rape an Eskimo wearing leggings? It, like, that's a funny bit about rape. Because he's like, Oh, they'd be kicking and screaming. I think there's more rape at the. Uh, at, at the, uh, yeah. the North Pole oh, than the equator because there's a lot of fucking going on there. like do you think some of the things he said back in the day would have got him cancelled today? I, I don't I think it would have been
0: I think he would have talked his been, way out of it
2: yeah I think there would have been like a minute where it came up and then I think it would, you know, I don't think he would have given it the air or had the outrage about it. You know what I mean? I don't think he would have acted like a victim about it.
0: Yeah, he also I just, he prefaced those jokes very well. Although, like like you're talking about with Chappelle, I think there's a lot of people who didn't hear any of these jokes yeah. and had an assumption. Listen, I think.
2: In the world of TikTok and everything, though, we're like, you know, they can take a clip of yeah. Carly and just put the, have you ever tried to rape a, a Eskimo with leggings who's kicking? that bit is so much more than just that
0: i know but somebody but, could do that right now really yeah. I and mean, i don't know why i guess
2: i mean honestly they could take the the audio of everything we're saying you just turn it into I, something
0: else. i'm done like yeah. i don't have a job after this this better work out yeah. i got to get these right-wingers just-, just fucking listening every day <laughs> um <laughs> now i i huh. uh i wondered that too before like in this day and age I think there's something though appealing in where we're talking about where Chappelle went wrong. It's kind of like Louis C.K. I mean was saying some of that shit four or five years ago and not getting his yeah. ass canceled. That's not what he got in trouble for, yeah. and it's because he just plowed forward and didn't give a shit. And I kind of yeah. think Carlin would have had that same attitude,
2: you know, if yeah. he was around. I, I
0: just, I think they might have tried.
2: Uh, I, it's an impossible question to answer to because, I mean, what would you be talking like if we would have He'd, still be, alive, like he'd be like 90 years old. Name, right? yeah. So 80, it's like, you know, we are talking about Carla now. You're talking about, if you look at like, the, you know, Sean Connery, you know, the Bill Berthing where he's, he's, they're trying to cancel Sean Connery for saying 70 years ago that he, you know, no, oh, a woman deserves a little smack You know, they're trying to cancel Sean Connery. Is that
0: really happening though? Like, is anybody yeah. really no, trying not, exactly. to cancel that's, him?
2: That's my point. Like, it's come up. Uh, but yeah. no, like it's forgotten.
0: I didn't even think you about got it again until he
2: yeah They're not no, like
0: I, I'm, airbrushing I'm, him I'm, out of posters. The, yeah, you know, exactly. exactly. I'm that.
2: saying I'm not saying that he should be by right. any means, but I'm saying you know that culture is is and I'm very far left, but that culture oh. is trying to. You that know, culture make just sense.
0: exists on Twitter and online, though. It's yeah. not a real culture. That's my problem with the whole culture war. It's like. Yeah. It's just made-up nonsense, and then it's, you know, exacerbated by news stations that just don't have enough, that need more fluff. That's all that yeah. is. And I hate that those comedians fall into that, when they should just fucking ignore it.
2: Well, it's comedy. It's it's, it's jokes. Right, like, exactly.
0: That's Day why you go to...
2: David Gould great bit where he, sorry to cut you off, uh-huh. a great bit where he says, you can make a joke about nine eleven AIDS. and and rape. And he tells three jokes consecutively that are really funny. And Carlin says everything can be joked about in the right context. Right.
0: That's what he's talking about. It's it's not the words. It's the intent.
2: I think what happened was, and I remember this pretty well, um, there was a thing where a girl, I believe it was a girl, was in a, 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 a comedy club, and somebody made a rape joke about something. I don't know what the context was. I don't know what the joke was. I don't know. Whatever. I don't remember what the comedian, who comedian was, but um, and she freaked the fuck out, and it was like on, you know, it was on people's filmed it, on, it was on camera and stuff, and that became a thing about people getting triggered in comedy clubs, and you know, should you joke about certain things because you might, you know, people might have experienced with that, and then the pushback was, well, you know, you're going to a comedy show, and right. the, they go to the, work their stuff out there, and you know, it's, and that became like the first thing I remember, like in this last wave of it, where it was like comedians bitching about. You know, going and I mean, to to a point, I understand that. You know, you're going to try jokes out; they're not all going to hit. You know, but I mean, I don't recall this being a fucking epidemic of shit where it was like you know, comedy ceased to exist for a certain amount of time because you know somebody got upset about something. I mean, you know, people are going to get upset about shit, and it's either you just keep doing it, or, but you know, what I wouldn't do is give it air to fucking uh, you know, especially if. You're one of these fucking assholes who was, you know, was on TV all the time, and that's what you're going to use your TV time to bitch about—is how you know to play a victim about it. I think it's stupid. So I, I don't think Carlin would have fallen into that trap, and I think most of the ones who are really good at it don't. You know, I mean, I think um,
0: Stanhope is still around. Yeah, saying, yeah, yeah. Stan, yeah, Stan
2: was a great it, thing about it where he <laughs> wasn't canceled. He should. Yeah, yeah, he does make a been. lot of jokes yeah, about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. So he, it was like, like I need the press. Like, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I don't. I don't think he would have. You know, I mean, who knows? But
0: the, I don't, Carl you know. was such
2: a wordsmith that I think he was the kind of guy that could talk his way out of anything.
0: Yeah, yeah, he did. He had a because of that interest he had in language. He kind of had power over it. If you have enough power over language,
2: you could you could do a lot. Because he he can say anything, and you you might not agree with him as soon as he says it, but as soon as he explains himself, you are like, all right, I see your side of this. Yeah. I mean, he, he got in trouble for stuff, too, obviously. I mean, obviously, besides even those seven dirty words, um, he got in trouble right before 9-11, I think, you'd say he was, got fired from a, a gig in Vegas. Cause he, well, he got, you know, some, he was,
0: like, drinking heavily,
2: I think. Yeah, so. and exactly. He said, and it was,
0: he said that like, these aren't the real people, like New York and shit like that. Like yeah. he, he was very unhappy at that point, yeah.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, you know, he... he, he, he but I mean, it wasn't like we didn't hear him like, you know, going on TV saying I was wrongly uh, persecuted because I said stuff on stage, you know.
0: Yeah. It's an interesting question. I'm glad you brought that up because I thought about it before and then I, I forgot to, you know, write it or whatever. But yeah, that's a good question. Thanks for listening, guys. I'm going to break it up here, and then this conversation will continue on Part 2. And that should be released shortly. Part 2 will pick up exactly where this left off. We're going to get a little deeper into other comics as well, past and present. So... Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon. Thanks to everyone who took some time out of their day today to listen. The With Jay Berg Show is available wherever you find your favorite podcasts, or go directly to JayBergShow.podbean.com and subscribe to get the latest episodes. I know it may not always be a straight line, but I hope we'll see you again to take the journey and escape a while for thoughtful excursions into the world of ideas across politics, technology, pop culture and all realms of civic life Burning see you soon
1: no means of support you have not seen nothing yet everything stuck